Enthusiasts Club podcast. On this episode, we continue our tour of SNG Barrett. JECpodcast.com. Hello, welcome back to another Jaguar Enthusiast Club podcast. Wayne's got with you. I hope you're well and I uh, hope you're enjoying the spring weather because it is about that time of year when garage doors start to be flung open. The clocks change, the days are longer, and Jaguars come out of their hibernation over the winter to run the B-roads of the UK countryside once again. I hope you're getting yours out and about, and I hope you're looking forward to, of course, Drive It Day coming up in April, which is, of course, the National Awareness Day for Historic Vehicles, taking place this year on the 23rd of April, and as ever, raising money for the NSPCC's child line. You can get your rally plates very easily you can order them online via driveitday.co.uk and all the profits from those rally plates going towards that vital work that childline do uh, in looking after children and vulnerable young adults also ahead of us in the calendar of things you mustn't miss out on of course is the big event for the jaguar enthusiast club this year and this year we've done things slightly differently we've teamed up with Bewley motor museum where the national collection is held down on the south coast of england and we're going to be running a fantastic event it is going to be called simply jaguar it's going to happen on the 25th of june and we hope you can be with us because there are lots of exciting anniversaries to celebrate including the 75th anniversary of the xk120 60th of the s type the 50th anniversary of the xjc the 40th of the xjs cabriolet and the six cylinder xjs being launched and the 20th anniversary of the x350 of course the first all aluminium xj saloon and a decade of the jaguar f-type if you own any of those cars and you want to be part of the special jc anniversary display at simply jaguar at Bewley on the 25th of june this year you can easily get in touch with andy and he's going to be drawing up a short list of our anniversary arena display cars you can email him on andy.weber with two b's at jc.org.uk those details you can find of course in jaguar enthusiast magazine as well on the website at jc.org.uk forward slash events and every week in friday spotlight you can buy your tickets as well very easily by looking on the events page at jc.org.uk or straight from Bewley as well and we hope to see you there in the sunshine for simply jaguar the big event for this year for the jaguar enthusiast club and a company that will be there with us of course uh, very big supporters of the jaguar enthusiast club is sng barrett if you joined us for the last episode of the podcast episode 84 we met julian barrett from sng barrett at the front desk of his headquarters here in the uk and he took us behind the scenes for a tour of the operation sng barrett so far we've seen where they make all the lucas parts we've also seen where they pick out all the parts that you order and dispatch them and for the rest of the tour we go to the even deeper depths of the sng barrett facility in shropshire where all of the product development takes place and where they're making sure that parts are manufactured here in the UK to make sure Jaguars of all eras remain on the road for many years to come. We continue our tour of SNG Barrett next. (laughs) 
You're listening to the Jaguar Enthusiasts Club podcast. To find out what events you can get along to or to discover local club meets in your region, visit jec.org.uk. So in the corner of the what I call the Lucas Lab here at SNG Barrett, uh, Julian's brought me into this little corner. We've seen components being made. This is part of pre-production. This is making stuff in prototype form that's going to go into production in the future, isn't it? So what have you got in your hand there? So what I've got in my hand in here, we just kind of chanced across two of our guys from the uh, design and development team. And what I've got in my hand here is, what, what I don't know what we call this, is the gate. It's the, it's, the, it's, the, it's the surround that goes around where your automatic gear stick goes. Uh, and so this is on the XJS, and it's, the, it's that gate in which the, the, the automatic gear stick goes. So what, this is no longer available from Jaguar. So what we're doing here is we're, we're trying out a number of different techniques in terms in, to try and bring this back uh, to the market in an acceptable level of quality, but in the really low volumes that we need it. The traditional manufacturing technique for this would be to, to, to have tooling made uh, and to go through the molding process of this and then a painting process. But it would be not cost effective or not viable for us from a cost perspective to go through those original type manufacturing techniques. So what we're doing here is we've 3D printed this product, then it's been painted, then we're about to go onto the laser cutting machine here that will allow us to put the the decals um, in terms of the, the, the gear that you're in that will tell you you know drive reverse whatever um and then the lights on it as well so uh, the two guys uh, that we've got in here um jim and tom are both um are both working on this project to uh, to bring this this part back to the market and it's you know you think of even if you just think of the inside of your your xjs there's so many different components in there that this and this is just one of an example of hundreds of of, of new products that we're working on and you know we're a company of 120 people and if you consider what the size of Jaguar is and was uh, bringing all these products to market, we've got a big challenge ahead of ourselves. But the really satisfying bit is that we're able to do it in, you know, slightly different ways to, to original to make it viable. Uh, and that's what makes it interesting for these guys working on and, and, and possible for, the, for our customers uh, further down the line. This is a perfect example, isn't it, how modern technology is really shaping our ability to keep classic cars on the road because, you know, you just could not have made that any other way you couldn't have cut that out with a coping saw on a piece of metal because it's shaped and it's an intricate design and it's got these tongues that it needs to fit into but equally you can't make tooling machines to make that and in the small scales that you're now talking about survive as a business could you yeah absolutely right it, it, it's really it's kind of ironic that it's the really new tech that we're investing a lot of our time and money in that's allowing us to make parts for older cars yeah. and, it, and it's particularly you know it's not actually really a lot of the classic stuff that we're doing and you know, it, it, you know there's an element of the classic stuff but it's more of the modern classics that's getting this yeah. treatment um, and, 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 and keeping those modern classics on the road which is definitely a challenge and there's some really weird little widgety bits and pieces that we've been able to make and you, you can't shout about it because no one you know it's, it's, not, it's not interesting enough to be able to <laughs> shout about it and it's just a, continu continu you know, a quiet continuation of, the, of keeping these products on the, on, on the shelf uh, and this is another example where it's, it, once this is complete, it's only semi-interesting to a very small number of people who happen to need this. For the rest of the people, it's not interesting at all. Um, but for us, it's you know, it's all part of that overall picture of keeping these cars on the road. And deciding what we make next is a, is a massive challenge. And we have a kind of scoring system as to as to how we do it because. Like I said before, there's hundreds of products that, that, that we could be doing that we know about that that are that are, are possible to do. But it's all about 
the resources that we have and the, the time that we have and then what the eventual kind of outcome of that is from us from, a, from an economic viewpoint. Good time to mention then that within the Jaguar Enthusiast Club we're helping you to source the information on what parts are proving difficult to find for our members and that's where the club and its access to that sort of on the ground information is really helping you to make sure that these parts are still in production and how all the members listening to this podcast can actually help keep cars on the road as well. Yeah, it's really it's a really crucial part for us that is in terms of getting the dialogue going with with the with the JEC on this to make sure that we're getting the information from the the customer and the club side as to what's not available and and you know um, some sometimes we spotted ourselves when something becomes unavailable but other times we just don't we haven't it's, it's it's kind of in our blind spot and we don't spot it so that relationship that we have um with the JEC and the the, the interactions that we have in terms of what we can produce is really really important um, we come up against some challenges where we say look we'd love to be able to make it but we just can't um, and we, we have to kind of be honest uh, about that but then there's an other examples and I think actually this is one of the examples that's come from that program um, it, it all takes time um, and you know it, it, there's, there's challenges around making some of these products but it's a really really important part of what we do that that relationship and, and, and that and that program so yeah it's um keep keep the information going don't expect it to be everything to be fixed the following day but uh keep the information flowing for sure well you heard the noise in the background has now died down that's because the laser cutter is complete there is a new xjs gear surround in there uh, for your xjs ready to buy from sng barrett very very soon no doubt so uh, great to have another insight into not only the components that are already in production but some of these pre-production prototypes as well and uh, let's talk to one of the guys here because you You've got drawings of this component on screens in front of you. There's the laser cutter that stood behind me here. Um, all high-tech stuff. How long does it take to develop a component like that? How long? How many hours have you put in so far? Um, well, I can't speak for myself because I haven't actually designed this part, but I'd say um, there's probably two or three hours in design time and then three times, four times that in development mm -hmm. stages. Um, we usually fail in a, in a first development and we'll, we'll alter the CAD or we'll alter the model and we'll go again and we'll work at that until we get a perfectly acceptable working example of the product um, and we'll test fit it onto a car either here or we'll send it out to a customer. The customer can try it out um, and, and if they're happy with it we'll, we'll run with it. Fantastic and I guess it's one of those jobs that you need to have a very good attention to detail in order to uh, to get the product just right because you don't really want to get to the point where it finally goes in the car and it doesn't fit at all do you really no actually not i mean it's your um, pride at stake oh yeah yeah totally <laughs> i mean as, as designers we'll we'll design the product as best we can with the resources that we have um we have some reference drawings or we have a reference uh, oem sample or something like that from a from a vehicle that we've got on our fleet or a customer's sent in for us um, and we'll recreate that in in 3d cad um and, and again we'll just prototype it we'll we'll send it through our 3d printers um it's perfect prototyping material um and uh, we can have a we can have a some working sample the next day um yeah fantastic stuff it's very safe work isn't it nothing ever catches fire here oh no no absolutely not we're we're, we're right on top of that <laughs> <laughs> i say that because apparently there was an incident which we won't go into where something uh, got a little bit hot but uh, we won't embarrass him um but uh, you know fantastic component there are you sure you got your your edge right here are you sure that's definitely the right shape oh that's definitely the right shape yeah. definitely yeah. sure the graphics yeah. on there aren't too great so, but it's definitely <laughs> the right shape i'm just kidding <laughs> 
So down a couple of flights of steps and through the ever-increasing maze of corridors here uh, behind the scenes at SNG Barrett, we've left the nice Lucas Labs. We descended a staircase. I said to Julian as we came down, oh, that's a proper smell down here. I think it was axle oil I was smelling because we're now in proper production. Now, this is true factory stuff that we're seeing here. There are big machines all over. There are disc cutters for metal. There are big pillar drills. There are English wheels. Some incredible looking presses that look like they've landed from another planet. And uh, oxyacetylene tubes all over the place. And various guys doing very important looking manufacturing work. There's some welding going on in the corner there. So Julian, this is really the heart of manufacturing here at SNG Barrett. This is where parts are made at Barrett's. Yeah, this is one of the areas where parts are made. Um, this is our uh, fabrication, really, we call this department. Right. Um, as I was saying, when we were in, the, uh, in what you're calling the Lucas Lab, um, that we, we make about 2,000 different products up there. Downstairs here, again, it's about another 2,000 different products. Again, it's very, very low volume, very high mix. What this area that we're in here is designed for is to be able to do that mix. It's not a production line. What, you know, Craig, who you've just uh, described there, is putting, the, um, is putting the, the, the wishbones together. But tomorrow he'll be doing something totally different. And yesterday he was doing something totally different from that. Um, what we do in here is also includes oftentimes a lot of external um, suppliers. So, for example, there's a, the, we can see over in this corner here, we've got the, um, we do a lot of uh, the, the header tanks, the kind of coolant expansion tanks. Um, and those are an, a process whereby they will be, there'll be external suppliers to us, then it'll come in here and then it'll go away again for, for, for finishing. So in this example here, we own the tool to do the pressings of both of the halves of the, the, the header tank. So we own that tool. So somebody else does the large press work, got a big press, does the two halves then it comes here and we do all of the banging of hammers as we just did there and uh, we'll put the two halves together so weld the two halves together and then we'll do whatever the the required internal slash external pipe work is on there and a lot of these are very similar anyone who knows what the header tanks are like on a, an e-type um, on particular on the the 3.8 and the 4.2 versions they're very very similar they just have some slight differences in terms of where the exit or entry points are of the pipes and where the uh, the sensors go in them um, similarly with some of the XJ ones which is an example you can see behind here XJ and XJS they'll have a certain similar but we do um, the, 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 the kind of fabrication bits of this. So we don't do the large press bit, uh, but we'll do the fabrication bit required to put it together. And then after it's finished here, uh, it'll be tested and it'll be sent away uh, locally from here to be, uh, to be painted or powder coated as, it, as it's finished. So a lot of the products that, we, that come through here have a very similar pattern to that where there'll be a, a starting process that might be some laser cutting or there might be some some press work and then we'll do the bit that we need to do in here uh, and then there'll be a finishing job which will be chroming or painting or, or bright zinc finishing or, or something like that uh, so it's it's or, or sometimes even it goes up to the other bit of our own uh, assembly area here where it might be put into a, a kit or it might be part of a washer bottle and it'll be completed uh, completed upstairs in the electrical assembly area okay it's really important to understand what i'm seeing here because you kind of have in a vision in your mind, I guess, that header tanks these days, three types, are made on massive production lines somewhere in the Far East, and it's big laser cutters and robots welding them together and all that kind of stuff. But here is a guy doing it all by hand, painstakingly, I might add. You can just see the skill needed to do this kind of workmanship, because this is going on to, as you mentioned, some cars now that are better than they ever came out of the factory. They have to be up to that concourse standard 
that's the standard that you're making these parts to. So they need that hand-built precision craftsmanship, don't they? Yeah, absolutely they do. Uh, you know, sometimes it's from a safety point of view as well. So we do a number of the uh, the fuel tanks in here. for So the, all of the XK range of petrol tanks, we do those in here. And each of those has to be pressure tested to a certain level um, b before we sell them. But yeah, like you were saying, the, 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 the products that we make in here, they are very, they, they're kind of niche. You think that, you know, for us, the E-Type is a very big market for us, but for a lot of manufacturers, they'd be an extremely small, it'd be an extremely small volume. Um, so what we're doing in here really is kind of the only way to make it. Um, but it's, you know, it's an area that we're really, really proud of, and it's an area that is, is very important to us. Again, in here, we do mainly Jaguar product, but there is some Bentley, some Rolls-Royce, um, some other bits and pieces that come through here as well. Um, the business, when we started this business, we were doing, um, we started off as E-Type and Triumph Stag, and we still do some of the Triumph Stag products through this area here. You know, that whole front um, section that contains all the lights and that, that's, uh, that's made in this, in this department here. So it's a, it's a really broad range. And these guys are, you know, they're very skilled and the flexibility that they have in their, in their working practices is, is, is really important uh, um, to us. Some beautiful brackets here. Now, I don't recognise yeah, these. I, I said that was a, a, a seat bracket, but Wayne's going to explain what it actually is. What are you making here? Handbrakes. Handbrakes? Yes. Oh, of Handbrakes. course. Right. Now, I, now, now it's obvious. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so these are made out of a... a they're they're laser cut blank right. when they first come to us. Um, and then there's press tools that we use on the fly presses, which will form that part there, as you can see. Um, and then from there, I punch the holes. I'm now dressing them to suit with the notches out for all the inner compartments to fit into. Um, and then I shall TIG weld it with a bit of brazing, silver soldering, and dress it up, and then it goes away to the chromas. And that's basically, then it'll come back to us. We then put the inner components into it, so it's all a working yeah. safe device yeah. before it goes on the shop floor, uh, to the shelf, sorry, and then uh, off to the customer. I love this stuff. There's some guy sat, you see, in a quarter of a million pound E-type somewhere, you know, uh, probably at some very posh show or something, and he's just released the handbrake that you made. You must be quite proud of that. Oh, definitely. That's I'm proud that, for you. That is job satisfaction. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and they look wonderful as well. Thank you. Um, really nice looking pieces and, uh, yeah, great to see you putting together a component that you see so much detail I didn't even recognize until you explained to me what it is but obviously you can see it's the it's the handbrake and just you know Julius what we were saying wasn't it a handbrake lever a fairly inconspicuous component but here is some real attention to detail going in yeah absolutely right it, you, you, it's, it's one of those kind of things that you think you know that you, you don't think that somebody is making it but in fact here in Bridge North we've got Wayne who we were just talking to he's making these and he's the only person we're the only people making these in the whole world so if you've had a new, you know, if your hand, your handbrake looks new on your E-Type, it will have come from right where we're standing now. Well, of course, he is a genius because he has the right name for a genius. <laughs> um, there's a whole diverse range of parts, I guess, that you work on throughout oh, your average day. Definitely, from header tanks, petrol tanks. As Julian mentioned earlier, I, I am actually, I can big myself up here, the only person in the workshop that does the stag light panels ah, from start to finish. <laughs> yeah, so any stag light panels out there, I'm the one that's made them. I just hope they're okay. <laughs> uh, how did you start in this career making amazing parts like this? What's your, been your journey to this point? Um, as a youngster, I was into Mark on Escorts. And we used to get them back in those days out the scrapyards. We store them, 
You know, I went from there to Westfield, may I say, <laughs> okay. uh, making the Westfield 7s and E-type, yeah. uh, E-type sorry, the Westfield 11s, yeah. and then someone I actually worked with at the time, worked for Julian, and I happened to be walking past, and I was lucky enough to have an interview, and here I am, and I've been here for just over 17 years now. Brilliant. Making brilliant stuff for brilliant cars. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you, Wayne. Great Thank to you. meet you. And uh, great to see the skill here at SNG Barrett as we now uh, uh, see the wishbone coming together. He's got his circlips on. He's just pushing his ball joint in there. He's getting his, he's getting his seal on the top. Is it is a bit of a fiddly job this one? It is a fiddly job, yeah, <laughs> a really fiddly job. And sometimes I put sore fingers by the time you finish. Absolutely, <laughs> well, it's looking good. Plenty of grease. Good stuff. I have to ask about these tools here, Julian, because, I mean, they look like something out of another planet. They've got, uh, yeah. they're, they're big presses, basically, but they've got these huge ball weights on them, uh, on these long levers that then screws down. Um, these must have been around for many, many years. Uh, yeah, we've had these for a number of years. I mean, these are uh, a kind of traditional fly press, um, and some of my early work at S&G Barrett was spent uh, banging out uh, products on these fly presses, and they're still in use today. But the advantage that these, these have got is that they're super flexible, and, and, and that's what we're looking for in all of this department, is the flexibility to do a really wide range of products. So this, this can fit all manner of different small uh, press items on here. We can also do stuff like this, which is uh, assembly of... Um, springs and shock absorbers together because they're you know on the, the, the coilover springs that you get on for example on the rear of an, uh, of an IRS car um, we'll, we'll, we'll pre-assemble the shocks and springs because oftentimes a, a customer won't be able to do the, uh, the spring compression himself um, so we'll do those two assemble together but th th yeah these, these, these machines are, are old school but it's the flexibility that, that we need from them that's um, the important bit for us. And of course Julian saying IRS they're independent rear suspension so uh, those are the I guess you call them coil-over shockers now um, that make up those independent rear suspensions that you find on those uh, Jaguars. And uh, it's great stuff. I could be in here all day, I have, to, I have to say, Julian. There's all sorts of weird and wonderful machines that I don't know what they do. And what is this thing in the corner? It looks like the sort, sort of thing that Fred Dibner used yeah, to build. Yeah, this is a press brake, and uh, this is making this... Uh, this, this is the, um, the lights around, and it does... Um, all kinds of those. I think that's the five and three quarter inch um, lights around. I can't. There's a seven inch and the five and three quarter. Inch, I'm not too sure, but there's um, yeah that, that it fits a really wide range of different different cars. And you can see it for us. This is actually quite a high volume um, thing. That's got a bit like a guess the number in this big bin in front of us. But there's yeah. a lot of them um, from from our point of view. And there are there are some examples where we're making in you know, a couple of hundreds at a time rather than necessarily the 10s, 20s and 50s that I've seen in other areas. But um, that's usually when there's some crossover either with other cars or if the example that we were talking about just there on the IRS, on the independent rear suspension, Jaguar used that from... 61 when it started in the E-Type and it was revolutionary but they said oh this is a great idea we're going to keep using this right up until they finished the XJS in kind of 90 whenever that was 94 um, so uh, there's, there's some examples in there where some of the components on the IRS come up end up being quite high volume products for us the radius arms those bushes that go in the uh, in, in, as part of the rear suspension are quite high volume uh, products for us and then in this example here where it's got crossover between multiple models and also multiple marks um, use a very similar uh, headlamp around to that so that's where the volume changes slightly for us in terms of higher volume but generally most of what we do here is that really low volume stuff it strikes me as one of those components where there is an opportunity to make them a little thicker a little better 
than they ever were in production. I guess you've got to pick your moment when doing things like that, haven't you? Because sometimes you can actually make a component difficult to fit if you over-engineer. It's it's always really challenging as to exactly where you strike that balance in terms of what we make the products out of. And you'll see sometimes uh, somewhere later on there's products that were originally brass and then chrome that we will actually use polished stainless instead um, because it's, you know, it's, it's, it's viable as a polished stainless product but it's not viable as a, as a, as a chrome product. And then the, you know, there's other examples where we'll use, if we take the brake fluid senders for example, we still use a cork in those brake fluid senders rather than using a plastic, uh, a plastic float in there. But then there's other times where we will where we'll go for the upgrade because it's really around customer demand so we use sometimes stainless screws when they're originally chrome screws and that which will obviously last you longer um so yeah it's it's, it's really down to customer demand but there's sometimes the expectation you know there's a cons course expectation where it can't be a different yeah. material um so yeah we have to we have to go with that as well and conversely in the times we live in now there are certain components that absolutely have to be a different material and fuel system components are a perfect example aren't they here we are living in the world of e10 and you just can't use the same materials in fuel systems that we once did no absolutely right and it was one of the areas that we did a lot of work in a few years ago uh, in terms of making sure that we were ready for uh, the e variants uh, as it increased and uh, it was particularly around fuel um, that we you know obviously particularly around fuel components that we were doing that and we did some work on the submerged fuel pumps that fit on xj and then the 3.8 e types we had to do some work on those um, hoses um, all kinds of stuff because of that the, the fuel uh, you also see it in braking where some of the components are slightly different and also you even see it on trim um, whereby originally there was asbestos used in some of the trim um, and it meant that meant that you couldn't get quite the same colours that you could get um, back in the 60s. That was a kind of rusty red that you used to be able to get. Now it's, you can't get that colour. Um, so yeah, we do have some, 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 some difficulties around there but I would say that overall that's counteracted by the, 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 the advantages or the opportunities we get from modern technology rather than necessarily the restrictions from, from regulation or, or changes. Uh, such as the, 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 the fuel changes. We're walking around a company here who is manufacturing parts in-house, uh, creating components really that allow historic vehicles to adapt to modern road conditions and modern requirements. And that's going to be really, Julian, the secret of longevity, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely it is. And, and, and so, you know, we, the cars that we run here, we generally do some upgrades on them. We'd call them sympathetic upgrades, but oftentimes we'll upgrade the braking or we'll upgrade, you know, for example, our, our, our reasonably famous E-Type 50E is constantly in development. We're currently running fuel injection on that car. We've currently got um, synthetic fuel in that car. So we're really trying to push, the, push the, 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 the boundaries of what we can do and make these cars both suitable for the future and kind of better handling, better performing. Um, and, you know, we want people to be driving these cars. I really hate to see an E-Type from a personal point of view that is rolled out of the back of a trailer and, 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 and put on a, on a field. I really like to see a car driven. I think these cars are just absolutely fantastic to drive. And, you know, we're talking about the independent rear suspension there they just give but they're just a great drive these cars um so i think it's um driving it for us is important anything we can do to make to make that possible for people is is, is key i think it's almost time to move on to the next department here at sng barrett Well, as you can probably hear, we're opening up a big shipping container here outside of the production area of SNG Barra, and inside are lots of lumps of metal, but I can already tell that these are very important lumps of metal because these 
Well, these are the lumps of metal that make other lumps of metal, aren't they? Uh, these are the lumps of metal that make other lumps of metal or pieces of plastic. Uh, yes, so these... Technical term. Are, <laughs> so these are tools, and we've got... This is one of a, a number of shipping containers that we've got full of tooling. And a lot of these here, because we own such a lot of both original and remanufactured tooling, these will allow us to keep these products on the uh, keep these products available because it wouldn't be possible to, to you know if you were to go right I'd like to reinvest in this particular tool here this might be ten or fifteen thousand pounds to make that and you'd never be able to make that viable uh, and the fact that we were able to, over the course of years to pick up both original tooling and the fact that we've continued to invest it in it has made these kind of our gold reserves uh, in terms of keeping it going um, which is. It's great for us, but when you want to get one of those ones out from the very back there, uh, there's, a, there's a kind of day's worth of work to get some of them out. They're uh, enormously heavy and extremely cumbersome. And, and we don't, you know, some of these tools, we don't use them for two, three, four, five years sometimes, because when you run them, you'll make a, 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 an amount of stock that will last you for a while. Um, but, um, you know, you, you would never be able to remake some of this tooling uh, again. So it's a really important part of our, uh, our business. And some of this tooling tooling that would have been used in the factory at the time that you've acquired yeah absolutely uh, these would have come from um from from subcontractors to 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 the various oems uh, that we've acquired over time um and then these are also tools that we've invested in where, where products haven't been available and for some of the fastest moving products actually we've seen it so that whereby in the course of our 40 years we've actually retooled twice for some of these products so we did it recently on the exhaust manifolds for the e-type and the xk models whereby we remade those very early on in our uh, in our company history so you know close to 40 years ago we retooled for the e-type and xk exhaust manifolds and then two or three years ago the tooling was kind of running you know wasn't it, we were having to do a lot of fettling work there was some porosity coming into the uh, into the into the finished um castings so we retooled for it again and we actually what we did was we started with an original part rather than doing a doing a copy of our copy from 40 years ago and we had customers coming on to us saying no 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 this isn't right this is uh, it's not original and what they were actually comparing was with the S&G Barrett product for the last 40 years rather than the uh, <laughs> rather than the original so it's quite uh, quite satisfying from that point of view yeah fantastic it just makes you wonder though I mean you've obviously managed to save so many of these tools in here they've come to you through various means but you've got to wonder how many of these ended up in skips throughout the years that we'll never see again yeah, and it's one of the big, it's one of the big shames that, that when some sometimes from the larger manufacturers they stop making these things that they've been making for all these years, and they, they you know the volume for them is just is just nothing, and they, they you know they, they just think well we'll skip it in and get the uh, get the weight because they're heavy, and you get some 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 money for this, but for us they're they're absolute gold. Um, so it's it's really important for us to have some of those relationships that that, that allow us to keep these things going. Yeah, for sure. Brilliant. Well, that's a real treasure trove and fantastic to see it all being preserved here uh, at Barrett's in the back of their yard here. And uh, you can always tell a good container full of equipment because there's always a copper mallet to hand and there sure is one in there as well. Looks as old as some of the presses, I think. As uh, you can hear the movements of a busy goods yard behind us here and this is also where Julian is storing his trailers and some of the show equipment that you'll see out at Jaguar Enthusiast Club events throughout the year of course. Now we've entered the Wizard's Garage, the Wizard's Workshop here at SNG Barrett and the very familiar car that many of you would have seen, the XK120. The test bed, I guess, Julian, this car is. It's where you test most of your uh, prototype stuff out on, isn't it? All of our all of our cars are, are, are for that 
for that purpose. Unfortunately, our E-Type isn't here today because it's out being, being having something done to it on a, from a test point of view um, on the fuel injection side, actually. Um, so all of our cars are from uh, for that. But this XK120 here is my current uh, is my current favourite car. We we love it because it kind of looks. Uh, what's the word on the outside? Kind of it looks like it's lived. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Shabby chic, I think, on the outside <laughs> is what it looks like. But then underneath, it's got five-speed gearbox. It's got some tweaks on the handling. It's a really, really nice car to drive. Uh, and basically, as soon as the sun's shining, it's kind of a scrap between Pete and I, who's just here to uh, <laughs> to see who gets to, to take this out. But it's uh, just an absolutely brilliant car to drive. And people wave and let you out at junctions in this car it's really a, a massive pleasure and we we love it the same same with all of our uh, all of our classic fleet this is incredibly important work though isn't it because whilst you're having fun out in your little fleet here this xk120 being a part of it the serious part of this is that it's crucial that you test these parts on a real car and give it a good thrashing let's be honest before you put them into the market yeah absolutely right um for, for us living the life of our customers is a really important for me a really important part of what we do so that we understand the frustrations that you can have when something goes wrong or also that we're making sure that the parts fit and we're able to test them out over time um we've done we've rented shelsley walsh numerous times during the course of our time and our e-type has done that. how many times up shelsley do you reckon pete it's been Two hundred and eighty with me in it. Two hundred. <laughs> so yeah. we're over three hundred now. Three three hundred trips up Shelsley has been a really good uh, good way of, of, of finding out what's going to break and what's um, you know what what the what the failure point on these things are and it's yeah it's it's a, it's a crucial part of what we do and I think it's one of the bits that, that differentiates us. We don't work on any customers' cars here. We just look after our own cars, but it's a really important differentiator for us in terms of making sure that the parts that we that we offer do the job that we expect them to do. Well, you know there is a section of the Jaguar community that we mentioned earlier that like to park their car in a field and have a nice static shall we say day out but those that do the tours the rallies all of those amazing trips across Europe that you see advertised in the JEC magazine for example I guess the difference has been since the early days of Barrett's that people have an expectation that this 50 60 70 year old Jaguar comes out the garage at the weekend they turn the key and it works just like a modern car would and i think that's the big change we've seen isn't it in the classic car world they need to work they need to be reliable because ultimately they're giving the owner the lifestyle they're seeking from it you're absolutely right Wayne. it's one of the real challenges that we've had over the course of time in the in the, the ownership profile has changed slightly it, uh, years ago the classic car ownership experience involved occasionally breaking down by the side of the road and though I don't think they wanted to break down the side of the, side of the road there was an expectation that occasionally this would happen and that they would then bang a hammer or open the bonnet and do something to the car and, and that kind of continuous looking after these cars is an important part of ownership of a classic car which you don't have to do on a modern car and you know there's there's an element of customers that we that we've seen over recent years and who who drive a, a reliable modern car every week and they've got this cool looking classic thing in the weekend and what they want to do is they want to get into it and they want to start the car up and then they want to go to Goodwood and they do not want this car to break down by the side of the road that is not part of what the ownership uh, of this car looks like to them and so we've got, we've got to live up to those expectations and, and that's definitely a challenge and what I was talking about before in terms of using the cars over the winter so a really good example of that would be fuel pumps where we'll sell those solid state fuel pumps rather than a points pump because what if you leave your car over the winter the points will rust up and then when you come to the spring and you try and start it 
it's not going to work and we're saying well it's because it hasn't been started for these last few months it's not you know it's 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 the ownership profile that's changed slightly and and, and making sure we live up to that is really important to us um but just driving you know I say it's an important bit of the work. It's also an extremely fun bit of the work that we do, right? It's a really, really, uh, really enjoyable part of what we do is uh, here. And it's, um, you know, this, this, this bit of the business over here where we are now, which does the design and development stuff, as well as where we keep some of the cars, is, um, is, a, is a bit that always brings a smile to the face of, of those who work here. Well, I call it the Wizard's Workshop. Let's meet the wizard himself, because uh, people who have uh, met uh, the SNG Barrett team at JEC events in the past will be familiar with uh, Peter Stant. And this is this is your little cave in here, Peter, isn't it? It is indeed. Yes, yes. This is where I sort of hibernate over winter, uh, uh, waiting for the cars to be uh, ready to go for the summer. Great, great job. Obviously, you can't tell us all of the things that are happening at the moment because it's like top secret development military style I know um, but what are some of the things you're working on that we could expect to see in the market in the next couple of years? Um, well we've got um, we've invested in, in, in several uh, sort of test machines that we have now There's this one here in front of you this is a low production uh, injection molding machine ah. uh, we can use to make one-offs and small runs and to test mold so I'm just working on that at the moment uh, to do a few uh, a few short tests to see if we can get the material right for uh, what is basically um, uh, uh, part of um, the dashboard assembly this looks very exciting here because it looks well it's obviously a a brake test rig there's a servo master cylinder uh, slave cylinders at the top then two calipers all bolted to like a frame and uh, they're very uh, high spec looking uh, calipers as well alloy uh, calipers there so uh, explain what this is all about well this is just a bit of uh, novelty that we take to shows Uh, it's a complete uh, e-type braking system so Even the we, pedal, I've just oh, noticed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if we if we throw some vacuum into it, it, it will actually work as a complete car, uh, and it shows the rather complicated system that Jaguars have on E-types and, and some uh, XJs where they have the sort of completely split system. Uh, we've also got our uh, uh, four-part calipers yeah. demonstrated on here, and uh, the Pudrois valve, the uh, pressure differential warning actuator valve, that we actually make in-house now. That's a, a recent. Uh, development well fantastic four pot calipers these because they are much lighter than the factory originals and i know that because when i was talking about them on stage i dropped one on my foot and i can still walk Uh, so that's (laughs) that's very good news for me Um, but it must be a great sense of excitement and achievement i guess for you peter to see some of the guys who have brought some of the prototype stuff from the departments we've just been to here at barrett's down to you to fit to a car and between the two of you this teamwork goes on and you end up having a really good working component there must be a real buzz to that oh yes absolutely i mean i i love these uh, the, the development work is just it's so exciting and the fact that we can actually we can throw it on one of the cars that we have here and then go blasting down the road at no more than 30 miles an hour uh, uh, just to make sure that it, it, it functions and it's great and if it does fantastic if not we go back to the drawing board but uh, Usually it functions, so we're kind of okay. We don't wreck too many cars. It's exciting stuff, honestly. Uh, you could be here all day looking through Peter's uh, tool cabinets and figuring out what he's working on at the moment, but uh, uh, we shall let you get back to your, your genius work in developing parts for our Jaguars that are going to keep us on the road and uh, enjoying all the tours that we have in the JEC. So, Peter Stan, thanks very much. Thank you. shall let him get back to his spanners, and, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll head back through this little uh, wizard's workshop as I'm 
determined to call it today uh, to see what we've got at the back here. And uh, this looks like a kind of glorified fish tank here, Julian. What's going on here? Yeah, so this is, uh, we're in the, the kind of advanced engineering bits uh, of SNG Barrett. We've got uh, Charlie here who runs this department. And what you can see in front of you on this side, we've got a wall in front of us. And in front of that wall, we've got two machines. One is a, uh, a traditional, um, well, I say traditional, one is a plastic 3D printer, um, quite an advanced one of those. And then on the right-hand side here, we have a metal 3D printer, uh, which is a reasonably recent addition to, to what we do. Now, we were talking before about some of the new technology allowing us to make a different range of parts for the older cars. And this is no more true the, 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 than in this area here where we're bringing really, really new tech to a really old problem. Um, and that, that problem is making the parts in the low volume that, that, that we need it for. Um, this 3D printer uh, on the right hand side will print. We, 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 we started off as in our 3D printing lifetime when I when we when Charlie and I first started working together. I said, oh, I've heard all this stuff about 3D printing. Uh, we definitely need to do something. And he said, kind of, well, what? And I said, well, Come and work for me, and then you can decide. You can decide what that's going to be. Um, so I think that's, um, and, and we've come to a point where we have a number of. We, we started off by doing just samples, but actually now we've got to a point where we're able to get the standard high enough that we're able to do production, um, small production components through there as well. So um, it's, it's worth asking Charlie a little bit about, a little bit more about what uh, what goes on here. Yeah, this is this is great, Charlie. I, I say glorified fish tank. I'm being rather cruel because, of course, it is high tech stuff. But it is a kind of a, a plastic tank here. So explain what's going on. Uh, yeah, so it's using FDM technology. So um, if you think about how you'd build a house, you would uh, lay each layer of brick on top of each other, compress it down with mortar, and that sticks it together. It's the same kind of process here. You're using layers of material, layers of melted plastic that's forced through a nozzle and that's compressed down on each layer. Um, and layer by layer, it builds up a part. Um, and then it's the same process with the metal side that's using the same technology, the same process except there's a couple of post-processing um, okay. things that happen on afterwards that on the other side of the wall we've got the same technology again but probably a lower grade um, machine which is really good for tooling so we're using it for end use parts prototyping and tooling now um, and then we're using a resin based print which allows us to create high definition smooth parts um, you know parts that will replicate what was on the car 50 60 years ago in look feel texture you know the temperature of the plastic it all, all feels exactly the same you, you you wouldn't be able to tell the difference between an original and what we're printing next door this is such important stuff because if we're to keep cars on the road years and years into the future we've got to use this technology to make sure that these parts that would normally i guess be completely prohibitive from a cost point of view to make are able to be made you know, because it could be such. It's, I mean, yeah. some of these components on this table are really tiny, but it could be a tiny little piece like that that keeps a car stuck in the garage. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for us, it's 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 looking at that investment. Is that investment um, worth doing for the amount that we sell or the amount of cars that are on the road that are going to require that part? So this technology allows us to, not, I guess, leapfrog that section of the of the process. So we're not looking at huge investments. We're looking at producing parts with lower volumes, higher, higher quality um, and quicker. So, you know, our, our time to market having this kind of kit here has just been reduced significantly. Um, and the cost that we're putting up, up front is, isn't, isn't there anymore. You know, so we can get parts to market faster. We can, we can create better parts and control the quality from within these walls. In theory, therefore, there should be nothing on a Jaguar that we shouldn't be able to get in years to come. Uh, no comments. <laughs> 
I have to just say, we were talking. You, you used the analogy of uh, of building a house earlier on. You know, when you're at a quality establishment, when even in the workshops, when they need to paint a wall, they use Farrow and Ball heritage <laughs> paints, not some old tin of rubbish from Wilco's or something. I'm very impressed, Julian. <laughs> well, there's this particular blue colour that has a theme going throughout our business that is, uh, I'm quite particular about the shade of blue that we use, so yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's smoky blue for anyone yeah, listening yeah, yeah. that wants to uh, go and buy Barrett's Blue. Um, yeah. yeah, you could you could do a brand deal with Fowler and Ball. Yeah, I, I could do. I have this in my house as well, so basically wherever I am, this, uh, home from this, home. Yeah, 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 this, this appears. But there's some, there's some interesting stuff on the, on the desk here in front of us. I mean, these, this example here that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you now, this is a um, part of the luggage, um, the boot board. This is the, the, the luggage stop bit that stops the luggage coming into the cockpit of your car. And this is a product, this is a really good example of a product whereby originally this would have been a cast solid product um, and would have been chromed. Would it have been chrome brass, Charlie? Would it this have been originally, that one? Or that one was a yeah. uh, cast part originally. Yeah. and then chromed chrome. and then the, what we've done here is we've 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 printed it and then we've polished it so that's a polished stainless uh, print that we've done here and in fact inside here it's actually not solid it's a honeycomb finish so it's actually nice. slightly lighter yeah. um, but we've done a, a, a range of tests to prove that it's just as strong um, so it's quite uh, it's quite an interesting way that we, we've been able to bring some of the again really low really low volume products um, with a bit of innovative thinking are now possible um, where they wouldn't have previously been possible and we've got you know there's a really long range of uh, long list of things that we that we're hoping to put through here um, and we take you know we're taking a bit of a risk sometimes because these are big investments these these machines um, we're taking a bit of a risk in terms of it being able to pay us back but to another to on the other side it doesn't really matter that much if it pays us back in the short term because what we're trying to do is making sure that we're keeping the range available for for, for the customers so being able to go right this is an addition to the range and it allows you to keep your car uh, on the road. So for us, it's a kind of win-win, and it's not, you know, the immediate payback is not the, the thing that we're looking for on this. We're looking for to be able to make sure that we, we're keeping those cars on the road. Um, so that's, um, you know, that, that's what makes it important for us. And there's, there's definitely been times in, in the early days when, I don't know if you've ever seen what, when a 3D printer goes wrong, they print this kind of bird's nest effect of, of things, because <laughs> oftentimes it's printed overnight, and it's just, it comes out in absolute shambles the following morning. Um, we haven't had that on the metal version yet, have we, Charlie? But there's been... Uh, yeah, there's been examples back in the day when we used to, when we were learning this stuff, and there's been a long a long road to get to where we are now. Seeing what you're doing with these components, I can't help myself but just imagine and fantasise about what it would be like to bring someone like Sir William Lyons, William Haynes, you know, one of the original engineers from the XK project 75 years ago this year, to come and have a look at what you're doing and seeing what they would make of it. Or what do you think they'd say? I hope that they think that we're innovative, uh, really, and I think that we we can kind of gladly say that we are. We we don't think there's anybody in our marketplace doing the same as what we're doing here, um, and we, we we really feel that we're, we're applying new ideas to make things possible, which is you know similar to what to to, to what they were doing. It's. 70 years down the line um, but um, I'd like to think that we, they'd consider what we're doing to be um, innovative and, and exciting um, because it's because it, it's we're, we're, we're kind of testing the boundaries on this a lot of times when we speak to the the um, the, the suppliers of the, the 3d printing stuff we say oh, can we do this or can we do that and they say well you, you theoretically can but you'll be the first people who've tried it um, so yeah it's, that makes it really exciting for us Well, another department here at SNG Barrett is across the courtyard from where the main warehousing is and the production facility where we were just were with uh, Peter Stamp. 
And uh, the same Farron Ball blue on the walls in here, which uh, I've just seen as a theme running through the premises here at SNG Barrett. But we're in a different department that I guess 20, 30 years ago, in the early days of the business, you couldn't have ever imagined being here. And to many listening to this, I guess, would be quite a surprise that you have a whole office here, which is your IT department. Uh, yep, yeah, indeed. I think that if we'd have looked back uh, 30, 40 years, you'd have never imagined that we'd have all of these guys here. But it's an extremely important part of what we do. As I was explaining before, when the customer first comes on to the S&G Barrett website or even onto the, onto the phone with one of our sales guys, they're zooming in from that 300,000 300,000 different products down to the one that they want uh, and what we have in here in the in the IT department and you can see half of them and then there's another section of them who are working from home and uh, on the same projects um, is a mixture of, uh, of the network guys at this end who look after all of the kind of making sure that it's all running in all four of our branches and then down at the far end there we have the development guys who write the programs make the systems work uh, be that from our external side on the website or internally in terms of our own internal processes um, that's those guys down the end here and then in the middle we have two um, two of our long-standing colleagues Wayne and another Wayne and Dave who um, are parts experts so they've spent a long time but either in the sales room uh, both of them worked in the sales room and on the purchasing side so they understand all about the parts and they basically bring the parts knowledge to the IT department so they you know when you're saying the descriptions that go on the website even as silly things as such as editing photographs so we have an area over there where they all the photographs of the parts are taken but when they get loaded up onto the website it sounds stupid you have to make sure that the parts are the right way up when they get loaded so that they because it's jarring if you see a part that's upside down and you know not necessarily everybody in the warehouse will know which way up that part goes whereas these guys here um, do know that so there's an element of bringing the parts expertise to the IT department, which is important as well. And, um, you know, for us, investing in this area here is, a, is also in a very important part of what, of what we do in terms of making the, the, the process of, of, of getting your parts as, as smooth as possible. And it's the big change that we were talking about earlier on when we were over in the uh, packing area, in fact. You know, the technology that's required to keep up with customer customer demand is what you can see here you know the website has to be not only just working but it has to be bespoke to a certain extent doesn't it yeah it really does and that that's one of the challenges that we have some of what we do here many customers you know many companies do it sending parts out of you know sending a product out of a warehouse is not unique we're not unique at SNG Barrett in that we do it but some of the getting down from that 300,000 through the exploded diagrams, through the um, different variants of what we're, what we're offering is bespoke to S&G Barrett and it is part of our kind of intellectual property that we have all of those drawings and designs and knowledge that is, that is specific to, to us and, and specific to our, our business. So mixing those two things together to make sure that we've got an efficient business behind it, both, you know, that's also the finance bit, the purchasing bit, all of that is, 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 is not unique to S&G Barrett but there's bits of it that we work on internally that are unique to S&G Barrett so mixing those two things together is really important. Well they're all sat at their desks here going pick me pick me they're so eager to talk on the podcast and I shall just surprise someone by asking them hello what's your name? Dave. Hi, Dave so what are you doing explain. I am just going through old catalogues and I'm actually looking for applications to add to our parts so I'm looking to see what part fits which car, and I can add it to our online catalogue to display online for customers to find and then buy, hopefully. Okay, yeah, and I can see the original scan of, this looks like an original Lucas catalogue, is it? 
It's an original, well, I think it's just a Jaguar catalogue, but it's got Lucas numbers in there. Yeah, okay. And then on the other screen here are the various familiar uh, product listings that you'll see on the SNG Barrett website. And I guess it's a constant job to keep all of these descriptions not only up to date, but evolving as well. Exactly, yeah. And search, I guess, is the key to success and finding parts very quickly. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Brilliant stuff. Well, here we are, the nerve centre of the website at uh, sngbarrett.com, of course, uh, linked every Friday from Friday Spotlight. And uh, no doubt uh, these guys see all of your clicks and purchases that come off the back of Friday Spotlight, where, of course, you can find this podcast every Friday as well. So uh, there we are, the, uh, the cutting edge of technology here at SNG Barrett. It's amazing, isn't it, to find out what goes into shipping old parts for old cars out the door as we move on to the next part here at SNG Barrett. I'm now entering the last of the offices on our tour of SNG Barrett here on the Jaguar Enthusiast Club podcast. And uh, this is where more high-techy design stuff happens. And um, what I'm seeing here is it's basically an office with guys sat at computer screens. But on those screens are various new parts that are being designed for manufacture. And this is the very, very early part of the stage where basically these are turning from components on a screen a set of measurements drawings uh, this is the stage before they start to get made i'm guessing julian yeah that's absolutely right so in here is the is the design office and the production planning office and in here what we'll do is we will make the drawings that allow us to make the parts essentially so there's two routes that we go from uh, on making parts number one is that we'll is a, is a really good position to be starting from is that we'll have an original drawing and we have a really wide range of original Jaguar drawings, Lucas drawings, Girling drawings, we have a really wide range of those um, different drawings but then we also have the possibility if we don't have a drawing but we do have a sample we also have this thing that Charlie's uh, walking in with now as if it was uh, pre-planned that is our uh, um, a 3D scanner um, so that allows us to do a, a scan of a part and it's down to kind of real fine level of, uh, of microns on that, that that gives us a base working point of, of the the products that that we of a scan of a product that we want to remake and that's a really good example of something that we didn't have all those years ago and a lot of these parts were made in a kind of you know drawn freestyle and then made from that point they weren't drawn in this in the same way that we're doing it now and what this this technology allows us to do is really accurately recreate the parts and also if we need to we can the the, the technology allows you to to run some of the moving bits inside it so for example when we were making one that the uh, the mirror that fits the mark ii and fits the aston db5 a few years ago we were able to to make the movement inside there you know the dipping mirror movement we were allowed to able to make that better than original because we were doing it on the cad beforehand so we go actually look it would work slightly better if we made this bit longer or that bit shorter in terms of the internal workings of it and that's uh, something we're able to do in here before we've even made the part amazing isn't it that you think 3d scanning and you think a big piece of equipment but fundamentally it's a hairdryer with two <laughs> nozzles and that is how small this high-tech equipment now is it would be an extremely expensive hairdryer, like, <laughs> even for uh, my wife's requirements. I think it would be wasted be. on me, of course. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it did. But th that 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 scanner there is actually really top of the range. Uh, mm. a top of the range scanner it allows us. It not only allows you to make, to to do things. Um, uh, uh, in, on a bench you could also scan something on the side of a car um, or scan the mating piece that it's got to go into so say for it's something that's got to go onto the bodywork you can actually scan the piece of bodywork that it's got to go onto so that then when you're doing the CAD design of it 
you can go, right, this mirror fits onto this bit of bodywork. We've got the scan of the bodywork, we've got the scan of the mirror. Do the two things fit together? An example on the desk in front of us is, is, is the part of a mirror shell and the, the arm there. Mm. This is great, isn't it? Because here we see in front of us the gear surrounds, the shifter surrounds that we saw being printed upstairs. Um, some of these are the originals off the car. So this is the process that you just described where an old component has been sourced, new old stock, or, or call it what you will, off an existing car. And someone sits down now at this computer and says, right, are we going to make some more of these? Yeah, you can kind of, in, in, in front of us here, we can kind of see the whole process going through. Um, you know, there's an original sample here. There's um, a, a number of different printed options that we've gone through to, to test for fit and finish. And then it's down to these guys to decide how we're going to make them. And that will all be down to uh, what the volume requirements are, what the what the strength requirements are, et cetera, um, and, and working out what's possible to, to bring these to market. And, and, and frankly, some products get to this stage and then we, we say, look, we can't do it. Uh, we can't bring it economically. It's not possible through through modern technologies to, to to do it like this. And there are definitely things which we which you feel you're going to do, and you get excited about it, and then you never get to the end. But that's just that's just life. Sometimes for for all the ones that you do do, there's sometimes you, you just can't do it. But more often than not, we can. And I guess quite often those parts are the parts that were made by a man in a shed with a with a file and a chisel. <laughs> yeah, absolutely right. And, that, and and replicating some of that stuff is 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 really challenging where it just requires some individuals individual skill set can be a real challenge. Um, but um, we like a challenge and we can we get over most of them. Incredible amount of investment that you must have put in Julian to keep not only to set this up first of all but to keep up with technology as it moves year by year by year you know that it gives an insight i guess into why things cost they what they do and why things take as long as they do to come to market yes i think that in terms of how long things take to come to market that's definitely um definitely you can see that through here and the investment that we put in is trying to make those that that process take less time um but on the other hand i do think that you know the one of the the advantages i was talking about earlier on on in terms of the the, the rear suspension is that jaguar used a lot of the same designs for many years and that's meant that some of the products that you can get on re replacing on your e-type or your xgs is actually cheaper than replacing it on a modern car if you go for your brakes or that kind of thing to put a new set of brake pads on your e-type is a lot cheaper than putting it on a on a modern golf for example so there's a there's there's ups and downs on some of these things sometimes when they're made in very low volume they can be a little bit more expensive but on other times the the way that jaguar were, were over the those years makes it, things quite affordable. Mm. What I like about this as well is seeing the fact that the production and the development and the prototyping all takes into account of the fact that if something is made correctly to the right dimensions, that's only part of the story. It needs to look and actually feel right, doesn't it? There's a tactile element to all of this, especially with a, a vehicle like an E-Type. When you touch it, it has to feel proper. Yeah, you're 100% right. And one, one, of the, one of the examples I often give on this is the uh, we make the choke knob. Um, and that's one of the products that we've made quite recently using some modern technology to make it. But what we do, the final bit of that process, once the uh, you can picture that black choke knob, it's got the white writing on there. What we actually do at the end there is that we hand paint the word choke on it so that it looks 
right for your car. It doesn't look like there's some modern piece of screen printing that's gone on there. It's a, it's a mod, it's a, it's a classic looking finish on your choke knob, and that's really important because you know we're not, we're not in these cases we're not supplying modern parts for a for for a modern car. We're supplying something that's got to look right on your classic car, and. and you know, sometimes making it too shiny can be a, can be a problem. Yeah. I hope you've really enjoyed the tour here on the JEC podcast of just what goes into supplying Jaguars around the world with parts from SNG Barrett. Not just supplying the parts through the post, picking them, making sure they're out on time, but also developing them, designing them, going through that prototyping and testing stage, putting them into the market. And actually, in many cases, as we found out earlier, manufacturing them here as well and the skills uh, that are underneath this roof here at SNG Barrow is incredible the whole range of skills the different types of people we've met on our trips around uh, the different uh, jobs that they're all doing and uh, as I climb the metal staircase Julian um, you must be incredibly proud that what essentially started as selling some bits of Triumph stag out of the back of a van with your old man has turned into this incredible facility you've just given this amazing tour of yeah, it's a, it's a source of immense pride to to us and and to myself and to to the people that work here and the people that have worked here over that time. I mean, the building that we're in here in Bridge North now, we've got hundred-ish people working here. And when we first moved here, there were six. Um, so the uh, the journey to from from where we are there to to here has been has been amazing. But you know, it wouldn't be anything without the customers and without. And those, you know, the the club interaction that we were talking about before is is an important part for us as well. Um, but it's um, yeah, it's a source of immense pride. And uh, as you said before, there's there's areas here which you know cause real excitement uh, as we go around. So it's um yeah, real pride. Well, it's been great to see all of these amazing people doing amazing jobs working on preserving the future of classic Jaguars, of course, because that ultimately is what it's all about, keeping these vehicles on the road. And in a future episode of the JC podcast, uh, Julie and I will sit down and ponder what that future might look like. This is the SNG Barrett of now, but what might it be like 10, 20, maybe even 50 years from now? Keep listening to the JC podcast uh, for that discussion on a future episode. That's all for this episode of the Jaguar Enthusiast Club podcast. Don't forget to keep in touch with us here on the JEC podcast via www.jecpodcast.com and you can get in touch with us very easily by using the voice recorder on there to leave us a message or you can use the contact form if you prefer to write your messages. Don't forget, you can also join the Jaguar Enthusiast Club online by clicking the Join Today button on the top right-hand corner of the podcast page to enjoy all the benefits plus the fantastic, glossy, 130-page monthly magazine that's all included in your membership of the worldwide Jaguar family that is the JEC. This is the Jaguar Enthusiasts Club podcast. Subscribe for new episodes at jecpodcast.com.